0: Welcome to In This Case, a podcast from Hilti that goes behind the scenes at one of the most iconic brands in the world of construction. We'll talk to the people who make it all happen and ask them who, how, what if, and of course, why. Here's your host, Claire Combs. Each year, millions of people find themselves facing life-threatening situations as a result of natural disaster or human conflict. On today's episode, we're learning more about how the Hilti Foundation supports emergency relief efforts around the world in partnership with medical humanitarian organizations. Bea Beitigstaud is a project manager at the Hilti Foundation. She's responsible for managing the organization's emergency response program. I'm Bea. I'm with Hilti Foundation for almost 10 years
1: now. And before I worked for Hilti at the Hilti Group in Chan for many years. So I'm more than 30 years with Hilti. Emergencies is something which happens, which are not foreseen. And we at Hilti, we think that It's a human duty just to help also in crisis situations. That's why we decided some years ago that if there is an emergency, that we want to have partners who are able to help in a very fast and efficient way. Because we think it's a duty, it's a human duty also of Hilti to help in such situations.
0: Functionally speaking, the Hilti Foundation's emergency relief program stands apart from the Foundation's other areas of focus in a pretty meaningful way. It is a different issue because we cannot jump in
1: and, and do proactively something against emergencies. They happen and we have then to react. So that's why we decided okay, we need strong partners who are really the expert in such situations and who are ready within a very, very short time to get there to that place in order to help, either to rescue people or to give
0: medical advice or medical help and so on. One of the primary organizations that the Foundation partners with for this life-saving work is Doctors Without Borders. Operating since 1971, the organization has European roots. Throughout this episode, you'll also hear Doctors Without Borders, referred to as MSF, which is the abbreviation of the French name, Médecins Sans Frontières.
2: MSF is a medical humanitarian organization which is working in various resource poor settings where we are assisting populations in precarious situations. My name is Abi Tamrat. I'm a medical doctor by profession and I've been with MSF for more than almost 20 years now. Currently, I'm responsible for medical technologies and innovation lead for the Swiss section of MSF in general. We work in, in various crises, whether it's man-made or natural disasters. We have been working on epidemics. Ebola, cholera, the current COVID outbreak. As a medical humanitarian organization, we basically intervene to assist and save life. But also we are known for witnessing and standing on behalf of those who are being or facing some atrocities for various
0: reasons. Doctors Without Borders, or MSF was jointly founded by 13 doctors and journalists who had witnessed widespread human suffering firsthand. They clearly understood how geopolitical complexities can often make it even harder to treat people who are suffering. From its inception, Doctors Without Borders has aimed to provide care in an impartial and independent way. As we'll hear, that fierce commitment to independence has allowed their teams to go where many other organizations can't or won't.
2: MSF have a charter that describes our mandate on impartiality, neutrality. Basically, we are, of course, standing on behalf of those who are suffering. But beyond that, we do not show any kind of preference to any side. This has allowed us uh, in the past years uh, to intervene in situations where both sides of uh, of a conflict, for example, need assistance and understood our, our position. And this is something that we strongly defend because we also believe that our safety comes from the fact that people know our mandate and they understood what we are trying to do and give us that sense of protection or let's say acceptance in terms of what we do. Of course, from time to time, this will also bring us into a certain conflict because we do speak out when we see uh, atrocities being done. So this is also part of the character of the organization and also part of our, uh, our work, yes.
1: They go really to very remote places where there are no roads. Sometimes they just walk to the places they have to go and do their work.
0: So sometimes the challenges come from working in isolated, remote locations, or dealing with incredibly tough terrain. Often, the medical teams are putting themselves in situations where they face serious personal risk in order to help their patients. In any event, these doctors and nurses are most often working in conditions that are far from ideal.
2: We are working in places where there is a disruption of resource, disruption of infrastructure, disruption of existing services. So you are forced to function or provide quality medical care in situations where You have to address the issue of uh, lack of human resource, lack of equipment, lack of medicine. And this is always something that we try to address case by case, but there is a general theme around it, which is MSF tries to provide an acceptable quality of care in situations where it is nearly impossible to do so under normal circumstances. This allows us to develop our own logistics, to develop our own protocols and guidance that will allow us to provide that standard of care. Know that also, you know, in some places we intervene, but also we are the ones deciding the type of intervention. So that gives us that uh, extra responsibility to come up with innovative ways of addressing the health needs of populations. Basically, our work has been Influenced by bringing what so-called the Western technologies into the Southern Hemisphere, where they could do much good, but under very constrained circumstances. So, this has led led us into different interventions.
0: The interventions that Doctors Without Borders develop can vary widely, and are based on specific needs identified by medical professionals working in the field.
2: Usually, what happens is that when we don't have an existing solution, we try to look for it. And then if we could not find it, then we try to fabricate or make it. So this applies both for, uh, for example, drugs and nutrition items. I think we are among the first to implement uh, compact uh, nutrition kits where instead of having big wet kitchens, you could provide high calorie, high protein diet to children. This has changed Basically, the way that we function when it comes to malnutrition. We have been innovating in ways to, for example, push for access to drugs that the Western Hemisphere is not interested to develop because they are not profitable.
0: The Access Campaign launched in 1999 and aims to remove barriers that keep people from getting the treatment they need. Through the campaign, Doctors Without Borders advocates for drugs, tests, and vaccines that are available, affordable, and adapted to the communities they serve.
2: All this, in my view, can be incorporated into the big, innovative, radical changes that MSF introduced in ways to help populations. Beyond that, of course, day to day, we also try to innovate, which usually means taking an existing tool and adapting it to the context that we work. So this kind of innovation is happening every day, whether for uh, small uh, items like, uh, you know, medical equipment that we use, the way we use our vehicles in the field for connectivity, all that has been ongoing inside MSF, I would say, uh, for, for as much as I remember every time we try to intervene.
1: If we invest in innovations, that means also that at the end, the patients get better and faster help and so on. So a big part of our investments with Doctors Without Borders is really that we sit together, talk about what what their needs are for new products. For example, we financed um, something which is called RDSU, This is an inflatable tent operating theatre, actually. It's composed of nine parcels, which all in all is really a complete operational theatre, which helps them in very remote areas to do operations. Everything that you have to have in an operational theatre is in there
2: under the right condition, it's something that we, we really like to use when it comes to medical intervention, so to speak, in acute emergencies.
1: It must be light enough that people, doctors and all the other medical staff can transport it, even if, if they might not have a car to transport it, so by foot walking up somewhere and so on. And that's really very innovative. I remember well that when they composed or when they put together this this innovative inflatable tents, it was, of course, doctors, but it was also other engineers and uh, many kind of people working together in order to make that really happen and and be a good thing. So one doctor said, yeah, he would like to have this kind of x-ray machine. And, you know, one of the logistic people he said yeah but you know this machine is very heavy it's over a ton you cannot transport it you know so this was one thing where they really had to find and search for for an x-ray which works which is so light that people can transport it by walking and Like that, the whole thing, everything what you need in this operational theatre had to be thought through in order to make it very light, transportable by few people.
2: The reason why we need such hospital is very simple. If you are in a war zone or a disaster area, the first thing that goes usually is the hospital. And the first thing that people need is acute surgical care, acute medical care, and you have to, time is of, of a great value there. You could spend six months building a proper hospital or rehabilitating an existing one. Or the other alternative we come up is a modular inflatable hospital where your, let's say, operating in theater, recovery, and so on can be basically put into place in a very short time, where you are also very much sure as to the standard that you could get the quality of the house, the air condition, and let's say the ambience for conducting major surgery. So these are all important. And a physician who by the time goes from a certain place to the disaster area to find that the hospital is ready to receive patients is basically translating to saving lives directly.
0: And Doctors Without Borders isn't the only medical humanitarian organization with which the Hilti Foundation partners. They've also connected with a group called Physicians for Human Rights, and specifically the organization operating in Israel.
3: Hi, I'm Ron Goldstein. I'm the executive director of Physicians for Human Rights Israel. In the last six years, I've managed the organization which promotes the rights to health of everyone who lives under Israeli control. We combine between humanitarian aid we give people and
1: policy change. So they, their clients are also all kinds of people in Israel who need help, medical assistance.
3: We have a clinic, an open clinic, a walk-in clinic in, in Jaffa, which run by volunteers. And everyone can come inside, we don't have We get the details of people, but of course it's very confidential. And people are not afraid to come and see us because they know we will never report about them to the authorities. One of our uh, biggest operations and project is the, in, in the West Bank, in Gaza, which is where the Palestinian people are living, which uh, it's areas which occupied by Israel or at least controlled by Israel, like Gaza, which all the surrounding is controlled by Israel. People cannot go into Gaza or go out from Gaza without the permit of the Israelis. And we have a mobile clinic which go every week with doctors, volunteers, specialist doctors between 10 to 12 to this West Bank area. We open one day clinic in a public place like a school.
1: And that's actually the thing which we support. Mobile clinics, it's uh, as it's, the word says, it's going to those places where there is medical need needed the most, which is the Gaza Strip and also the occupied territories.
3: And then uh, people from all the area are coming and receive treatment and free medications. The economic situation in those areas both in Gaza and in the West Bank is is, is really also because of the COVID is deteriorating and the fact that people cannot afford themselves very basic medication we see the impact of it every week and the number of medication that we need to provide to people is uh, getting higher. So there, there is a very long list of uh, villages that want us to come and, and we cannot go unfortunately every, every day. The welcome is amazing and I, I must tell you that my experience when I go with the clinic is always a very positive one. You know, even when I go to refugee camps, when the, the most terrible fights happen between Israelis and Palestinian uh, forces, always they welcome me, even the fact that they know I'm an Israeli, I'm a Jewish. And, you know, it's different when you come and, and respect the people you speak with and you understand what they want and they understand that you come in peace. I think it's, it's it gives hope both to our volunteers and also to the Palestinians that we meet.
0: That sense of hope and connection is a theme that comes up again and again. And in the case of Physicians for Human Rights, the impact has grown beyond the direct doctor-patient relationship because the group also volunteers time and resources in support of educating other medical professionals in the conflict zone. The people in the Gaza Strip,
1: for them, it is very hard to get out of of the Gaza Strip to enter Israel or other countries. And so there is a a big lack of um, further education.
3: We're training uh, Palestinian doctors and nurses and medical staff, let's say. We're in contact with the Ministry of Health, the Palestinian Ministry of Health, and with different hospitals and with different organizations. And we train it's doctor to doctor or doctor to doctors. Or, or uh, for example, just uh, last week, we did a training which will be five times meetings of psychologists who will do training in Gaza for uh, a mental health specialists.
1: So it's not only medication for patients, but it's also education for medical staff and doctors.
0: When we spoke, Rand made a point that even in a situation where the power dynamics aren't always balanced, humanitarian organizations rely on trust and support from all parties involved. People
3: should understand that it's not only the fact that the Israeli authorities give us this green light to go inside Gaza, but also the Palestinian authorities and the Gazan authorities, and the Gazan government, give us this green light. You cannot enter Gaza without a great network in the field inside Gaza. The fact that both sides understand what we do, appreciate what we do, I think it gives us a, a very unique role in this conflict.
0: So it's a unique and important role. But for the team working in Israel, it can also feel isolating at times.
3: staff it's people who who wake up every morning knowing that your work sometimes it's like uh, to empty the ocean with a spoon when they come to walk they understand that this is they feel it's their home it's a place where people understand each other very well it's not like outside when you need to explain why you talk about for example uh, migrants as uh, asylum seekers and refugees and it's not a place where you need to explain so you feel much more comfortable in this workplace. So I think it's protect people to come to work. Partners like Hilti and other partners that we have playing a really important role because without without Hilti, we won't be able to do our work. But not only that, you're part of our ability to speak with the world. The fact that we speak now and the fact that I was in a HILTI main offices in Liechtenstein and, and, and spoke with some staff in HILTI and explained what we do. And I think it's important that the world will, you know, understand that health it's a basic rights and people need to be equal in that sense. And it's important not only because of the funding that we receive from you but also the fact that you give us another voice and to be partnered with HILTI and other partners that we have, it's a great honor for
1: us. It makes you feel humble somehow because you realize how for the medical staff, for this organization, it's not easy.
0: The work is definitely not easy, but with courage and a long-term commitment, partnerships like those that the foundation has forged with Doctors Without Borders and Physicians for Human Rights can make all the difference.
2: When when I see this kind of... uh, symbiotic relationship, it makes me really happy to know that, uh, you know, we are not alone.
0: In This Case is a production of Hilti North America, to give us feedback, ask a question, or share an idea for a future podcast, email Direct at Hilti.com.